Hey, welcome to another Monday morning or afternoon. I don't know. I don't know where you're at. Anyways, hi. <laughs> Hope your week's starting off good. Uh, I, I'm having an, an interesting morning. It, it's It's been fun uh, uh, today. So trying to figure out what to talk about. And the only thing that keeps coming back to my mind is holding the line of no compromise. Just feel like uh, good morning, Angie. Good morning, Robin. Uh, I feel like that's just where we have to be on repeat right now. Is just holding that line of no compromise. And so I got back into the the word for 2023, and uh, uh, really thinking about no compromise and just kind of reading down through it and and seeing what Holy Spirit was going to highlight from that. And what was highlighted was was interesting. So I'm going to read that to you uh, real quick, and then and then we'll move on through this. Uh, the, the paragraph or, or the portion of it that was highlighted was about keeping pace. And it says, you must keep pace. Think of a wildfire consuming decades of deceptions, insulating weeds, overgrown sentimentality that I didn't author. It's a blazing fire swallowing up all that doesn't live up to the standard of my righteousness revealed in this day. Keep pace. You will look and see desert life, but look again, a second glance to see great provision. Each intentional step of obedience, leaving a wake of glory and oasis for creative life to flourish. You will be consumed with zeal for my house, my way. Don't fret the mistakes. There will be plenty of those. I will be with you to turn you around, setting your feet on higher ground. I absolutely was was floored by this fact of keeping pace and, and what it means in relation to hold the line of no compromise. Because to hold the line of no compromise, we're going to have to keep pace with uh, where God is going, uh, what he is showing us to do. And and what we're being called into, what what, what assignments we have right now. Uh, it, even in the the declaration yesterday uh, uh, that we read at, at church, and in, in our 2023 declarations, the one of them is, "I'm being delivered from bonds, trappings, and vices to hold the line of conviction. I was made to break the back of tolerance and to echo heaven's anthem of no compromise." to stand in the holy and righteous call for the sons and daughters of glory to take their rightful place, to, to be able to declare that I've got to, I've got to keep pace with what God is showing me to do, where it is he's taking me. There is a, a, an obedience that has to be there, uh, Really, the swiftness of your obedience matters. The, the zeal that you carry out your obedience matters. Uh, your, your very demeanor in, in which you're carrying this out, it matters. It, uh, I, I can think back to when I was in the army. We would get tasked to go do what I would consider dumb things, <laughs> uh, things that needed to get done. Um, but you know, you get these taskings and they just, they suck, but you gotta go, you gotta do it. You just gotta go get it done. 
Well, when I, when I come out to talk to my team, there there's a couple of different ways that that conversation could go down. The first way it could come out and I could be like, oh, this stupid task we just got. Let's let's go do this dumb thing. It's ridiculous. I don't know why they got us doing it. And, and that that demeanor as the one leading there. That demeanor is going to drag everybody down. Because they're going to start matching that energy. The, the people that are going with me to do this task, they're not going to be uh, motivated to go do anything. Their, their obedience to do the task isn't going to be swift. They're going to stall. They're going to delay. And it just, it, it's, it's going to take longer. It, it's not going to turn out as well. And, and there's the other way it could go. Come on, hey, got a task. Let's go knock it out. Let's go get it done. And, and don't come out as the one leading, grumbling and complaining. And I say that because I say leading because we have to understand it when, when God calls you into something and gives you an assignment, you are now uh, uh, tagged as a leader. You have an opportunity to go out and lead in what it is that he's calling you into or what it is he's giving you as an assignment. And so I think it's important to, to check the demeanor that you bring to that. Because if you come out with one that's like, oh, I'm going to go do this, like, or come out timidly, or, or in any way other than uh, swift obedience, knowing that uh, God is, is giving you provision for that assignment or for that call, knowing that um, he's already been there. He's already gone ahead of you to prepare the the land for you to to prepare what it is you're walking into. And I think we often will forget that. And, and so we'll come out grumbling and complaining or looking for ways to stall, to to hide, um, to kind of uh, uh, pretend to be somebody we're not like, oh, I, I'm not capable of doing what God's asking me. Of course, you're not outside of his strength. As soon as you start, as soon as you step out and lean into his strength, there it is. You're qualified because he called you to it. You're equipped when you step out and step into him. And, and I think that's that's an important thing to remember. So the the, the swiftness of your obedience, the, the zeal that you carried out with, uh, it all matters. Right, your demeanor in that matters, and um, it, it's it's not holding the line of no compromise is is not easy, and and the line that separates uh, uh, compromise from not compromising uh, was you can look at it as as being laid out by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, and. I'm going to read some of this to you because it is a very strict line. And so uh, I want I want to be able to to read it to you and to for you to be able to hear what it is he's saying and think about what it is he's calling compromise. Okay, so I'm just going to read the entire chapter. And there's a reason why, because up, up front. 
there is some other things that he's talking about before he gets into the compromise. And so uh, let's just read it. It says, one day Jesus saw a vast crowd of people gathering to hear him. So he went up the slope, <clears throat> excuse me, went up the slope of a hill and sat down with his followers and disciples spread over the hillside. Jesus began to teach them. What happiness comes to you when you feel your spiritual poverty? For theirs is the realm of heaven's kingdom. What delight comes to you when you wait upon the Lord? For you will find what you long for. What blessing comes to you when gentleness lives in you? For you will inherit the earth. How enriched you are when you crave righteousness. For you will be surrounded with fruitfulness. How satisfied you are when you demonstrate your tender mercy. For tender mercy will be demonstrated to you. What bliss you experience when your heart is pure, for then your eyes will open to see more and more of God. How joyful you are when you make peace, for then you will be recognized as a true child of God. How enriched you are when you bear the wounds of being persecuted for doing what is right, for that is when you experience the realm of heaven's kingdom. How ecstatic you can be when people insult and persecute you and speak all kinds of cruel lies about you because of your love for me. So leap for joy, since your heavenly reward is great. For you are being rejected the same way the prophets were before you. Your lives are like salt among the people. But if you like salt become bland, how can your, your saltiness be restored? Flavorless salt is good for nothing, and you will be thrown out and trampled on by others. Your lives light up the world. Let others see your light from a distance. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it is placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that the commendable things you, will, you do will shine as light upon them and then they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. He's starting to lay out that, that line of compromise here. On this side, on the, the right side where you are not compromising, you're going to start to see all these things. He's showing you like, here is the result of, of this action, right? The delight, what delight comes to you when you wait upon the Lord? For you will find what you long for. This, this is what's happening on the line of, uh, of no compromise. When you're holding that line, your, your light that you're bringing to the world needs to be out for everyone to see. That, that stance that you're taking to, to break the back of tolerance, to hold that line, should be on display and, and not hidden. There, there's a stance that's taken here. And so he continues on in verse 17. If you think I've come to set aside the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets, you're mistaken. I have come to fulfill and bring to perfection all that has been written. Indeed, I assure you, as long as heaven and earth endure, not even the smallest detail of the law will be done away with until its purpose is complete. So whoever violates even the least important of the commandments and teaches others to do so will be the least esteemed in the realm of heaven's kingdom. 
but whoever obeys them and teaches their truths to others will be greatly esteemed in the realm of heaven's kingdom. For I tell you, unless your lives are more pure and full of integrity than the religious scholars and the Pharisees, you will never experience the realm of heaven's kingdom. Something that just kind of like hit me today when I was uh, reading back through this was the fact that those that teach, uh, uh, those who violate even the least important of the commandments and teach others to do so aren't excluded from the kingdom. They're just considered the least in the kingdom. They're the least esteemed in heaven's kingdom, but not excluded from it, which I thought was interesting. Uh, but uh, really what, what I wanted to pull out of this, this section right here is uh, the, when he says, unless your lives are more pure and full of integrity than the religious scholars and the Pharisees, you will never experience the realm of heaven's kingdom. It, it's interesting because uh, a lot of what we look at when we see uh, the, the integrity and the, the pureness of the lives of the religious scholars, these Pharisees, it's all in an outward appearance. It, it's, it's for the, the people around them to be able to see and say, oh, look. They're, they're so holy and pure. Their, their, their prayers are, are long and loud and boisterous, what, whatever that looked like. But it was, it was a show. It was a performance. It wasn't the inward heart posture that, that was uh, uh, spilling out of them. It was uh, a desire for recognition, for uh, uh, fame, for, for money, whatever that, whatever that was. Uh, uh, really the recognition of status and and not a, a real intimate connection with God that that really just kind of like poured out of them and and, and he talks about that uh, later in, in this sermon about the reward that they receive uh, is is a reward from from people it's it's the fulfillment of that recognition that they're seeking and that's the reward they receive and so uh, unless your lives are more pure and full of integrity than, than those people then you will never experience the realm of heaven's kingdom so experiencing the realm of, of heaven's kingdom experiencing the kingdom in your own life is is again about that that intimate connection that you have with Jesus, that those moments where uh, not just when you have a problem, not just when stuff comes up, of course, in those moments, you want to be, you want to be sprinting as fast as you can into his arms to, to uh, uh, be protected, to find provision, whatever it is that, that uh, is needed in that moment. But also in those moments where it's, it's just, um, quiet. They're, they're, we have a hard time uh, being still and and just having connection with him, just having conversation. And that's part of 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 this being uh, uh, pureness, the, this this holiness, and this uh, integrity is that it, it's it's in that that relationship that you're going to start to spill out these things. 
so there's there is a, a compromise that was made by the religious uh, uh, scholars and the Pharisees, and that compromise was not seeking what um, seeking reward from heaven, but seeking reward from other people, and that was that was part of their compromise. Go on to verse twenty one. You're familiar with the commandment that the older generation was taught: do not murder, or you will be judged. But I'm telling you. If you hold anger in your heart toward a fellow believer, you are subject to judgment. And whoever demeans and insults a fellow believer is answerable to the congregation. And whoever calls down curses upon a fellow believer is in danger of being sent to a fiery hell. So then if you are presenting a gift before the altar in the temple, and suddenly you remember a quarrel you have with a fellow believer, Leave your gift there in front of the altar and go at once to apologize with the one who is offended. Then after you have reconciled, come to the altar and present your gift. It is always better to come to terms with the one who wants to sue you before you go to trial, or you may be found guilty by the judge, and he will hand you over to the officers who will throw you into prison. Believe me, you won't get out of prison until you have paid the full amount. Your ancestors have been taught never commit adultery. <clears throat> However, I say to you, if you look with lust in your eyes at the body of a woman who is not your wife, you've already committed adultery in your heart. If your right eye seduces, seduces you to fall into sin, then go blind in your right eye. For you're better off losing sight in one eye than to have your whole body thrown into hell. And if your right hand entices you to sin, let it go limp and useless. For you're better off losing a body, part of your body than to have it all thrown into hell. It has been said, whoever divorces his wife must give her legal divorce papers. However, I say to you, if anyone divorces his wife for any reason except for infidelity, he causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, your ancestors were taught, never swear an oath that you don't intend to keep, but keep your vows to the Lord God. However, I say to you, don't bind yourself by taking an oath at all. Don't swear by heaven, <clears throat> for heaven is where God's throne is placed. Don't swear an oath by the earth, but it is the rug under God's feet, and not by Jerusalem, because it is the city of the great king. And why would you swear by your own head? Because it's not in your power to turn a single hair white or black. But just let your words ring true. A simple yes or no will suffice. Anything beyond this springs from a deceiver. Your ancestors have also been taught, take an eye in exchange for an eye and a tooth in exchange for a tooth. However, I say to you, don't repay an evil act with another evil act. But whoever insults you by slapping you on the right cheek, turn the other to him as well. If someone is determined to sue you for your coat, give him the shirt off your back as a gift in return. And should people in authority take advantage of you, do more than what they demand. Learn to generously share what you have with those who ask for help. And don't close your heart to the one who comes to borrow from you. Your ancestors have also been taught, love your neighbors and hate the one who hates you. However, I say to you, 
love your enemy, bless the one who curses you, do something wonderful for the one who hates you, and respond to the very ones who persecute you by praying for them. For that will reveal your identity as children of your heavenly Father. He is kind to all by bringing the sunrise to warm and rainfall to refresh, whether a person does what is good or evil. What reward do you deserve if you only love the lovable? Don't even the tax collectors do that? How are you any different from others if you limit your kindness only to your friends? Don't even the ungodly do that? Since you are children of a perfect Father in heaven, you are to be perfect like him. That is a high bar of no compromise there. And it is it is almost set up as an unattainable expectation of us uh, to maintain our righteousness and, and holiness throughout our lives. Uh, simply thinking of committing a sin is a sin. You know, saying something uh, um, with without the right motive was a sin. How 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 can I keep pace with that? How can I expect to live in, in the manner that uh, Jesus outlines through the end of chapter seven? Because it goes on in, in chapter six and seven, and I would suggest that you go read it. This is this is an intense time, and I had to again go back to the word for twenty twenty three and pull out another section, another paragraph of this because. It's relevant in this line of no compromise and and it's relevant in, in thinking of how do I keep pace with this? How do I keep pace with this high expectation of no compromise here? And so I'm going to read this this to you. It says the intensity of my training will overwhelm you when leaning upon your own understanding. Let go of all you think you know. Because an upgrade is loading and it will override most of what you hold close. I'm not trying to trip you up. My intention is to offend your mind for expansion. You are missing key components that hold truth upright. You will no longer feel as if you are a pendulum swinging from truth to truth, occupying contrasting ends of measure. You will sit in council and know. Watch me as I set fire to the half-baked gospel agenda occupying my lands. Watch me as I torch half-truths and meaningless trust. I will have a bride consumed with my house, she who knows her way through my halls to my hideaways. I am not withholding. I've held nothing back. Yet you've settled for dwelling within the shacks of Satan with a foot in my door. Now you will know my jealousy. I am no longer merely hinting at it. I am breathing life on the gospel again and raising up an unfiltered expression of it. I am forming a militia from my remnant. Those who will listen to be shaped rather than merely gather and see my words. I require more. I desire more. Will you allow my voice to shape and satisfy you? Will you sit long enough for me to add the dimension that is necessary? My people stop to listen enough 
to make much of their ability to hear, but certainly not long enough to build anything more than a house of cards. So very interesting because in all of that, the only thing that we are to do is watch him. He's not holding anything back. He's pointing out compromise there that in, in him not holding anything back. And like we just read, you know, it rains and the sun shines on all, regardless of whether they're doing good or evil. So he's not holding anything back, but we are settling for dwelling in a shack and then trying to keep one foot in the kingdom. So, so the, the majority of the, the being, the majority of where we're sitting at is not in the kingdom. We're just keeping a foothold in there at best. That's compromise, right? That, that's, that's compromise. That's not fully in to the kingdom, which is what he's asking here. He's, all he's requiring us to do in, in all of that right there was watch him. And, and to do that, I have to be close enough to him throughout my days to intimately see him at work, which means I can't be dwelling in the shack and have my foot in the kingdom. I don't see with my foot. I don't hear with my foot. My foot is going to carry me to, to uh, um, his feet. My foot is going to carry me to where I can see him where I can hear what it is he's saying. And getting into that close intimate space, then you have to start answering those questions that he's asking there at the end. Will you allow his voice to shape and satisfy you? Or will you seek definition of yourself and satisfaction from another? Sitting in that shack, are, are you listening to somebody else defining you? Are you finding satisfaction in another? He asks if you'll sit long enough to hear him. And so you have to, you have to decide, will I sit long enough for him to add the necessary dimension to my life? Or will I continue to fill the quiet with noise to, to comfort me from his presence? not comfort me in his presence. If I'm looking to fill, fill space with just noise that, that distracts me or, or hides me from his presence, I'm being comforted away from his presence. That for me, that's kind of, that's scary. That, that's not just uh, uh, trying to edit God. That's just rejecting him altogether. I don't, I don't trust him to, to care for me. I don't trust him to provide for me. I don't trust him to love me enough to peel things away from me that he knows are not for my good, that I likely know that aren't for my good, but I'm still seeking them out to be comforted from his presence rather than in his presence. So you're going to sit long enough for him to add the necessary dimension 
you're going to stop to listen longer than that initial word uh, and allow God to bring a fullness to your vision so you can build solidly rather than building a house of cards that just that tumbles at the slightest breeze. There is a point where we have to allow him to, to give depth to what it is that he's saying to us. And if we are not sitting long enough in that and, and, and listening and just running out at, at the first, first word and saying, oh, look at me. Listen. Don't ask me any questions, though, because I don't have any answers beyond this. I haven't sat long enough to to get the depth of, of what it is he's conveying with this message. That's not representing him well. That's representing him in a manner that makes him look shallow because uh, we, we don't have, we, we don't trust that, that he's got the experience of already having been there, like I talked about a minute ago. So this is, this is all significant and relevant to, to where God is taking us right now. And that's to the altar, to lay down on the altar and be the living sacrifice. Because if there is any compromise that you're harboring, anything that you're tolerating that, that he doesn't want to tolerate, it's going to be exposed when you lay down on the altar. It's absolutely going to be burnt up. But you have to be willing to even go there. You have to be willing to allow yourself to go to the altar. You have to be willing to lay down. You have to be willing to, to even just whisper the words, Holy Spirit, search me. Because that can be hard and it can be, uh, uh, for some, it can be scary. I hope you get to the place where it's exciting. And, and, and you're running up and just, you know, like, diving onto the altar and just shouting, search me, Holy Spirit. Because that's the point where, where swift obedience is uh, just turns into obedience because it's just an automatic response. It, 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 there's no thought process there. God speaks, I'm obedient right away. I'm not quite at that point yet. There's some things there where I know that I still drag my feet on. But I, I'm willing to get up there on the altar and say, search me. I'm willing to lay down as the living sacrifice. And I hope you are too. You have an opportunity. This is, this is an opportunity. You get to do this. Yes, this is what he's asking and, and requiring. But if you turn it around and look at it as an opportunity, you get to do this. You get to find some excitement in it. You get to find uh, uh, joy in being searched. You get to find joy in the, the, the sacrifice and the refinement that comes with that. 
and and you don't have to worry about the the need to to pluck your eye out or cut your hand off. All right, uh, um, your your intimate time with Holy Spirit, He's going to show you where you messed up. And, and even in some of what I read, God said, "Don't fret the mistakes. There's going to be mistakes. Don't fret those." But in that, also, you don't want to hide from Him when those mistakes come up. Don't don't try to 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 run away and hide. You can't. We know that you can't you can't hide. And so the expectation that that Jesus laid out is in fact attainable. It it, it is uh, something that you can do, but not in your own strength and not in your own understanding. There there is not going to be some. Uh, magical point where you arrive and in your own strength and understanding you can uh, hold this line of no compromise and see that the life that jesus laid out in his sermon on the mount is is attainable because you have you have reached that pinnacle point it's just not there so God isn't just saying, watch me because uh, of some narcissism. He, he desires you. You are his beloved. He wants to show you what he is doing for you. He wants to put that on display because he loves you. It's something you have to, you have to remember is that you are his beloved. He wants you to keep pace. And, and in this, keeping pace is, uh, it, it looks like holding the line of no compromise. It looks like breaking the back of tolerance. Right, Your ability to hold the line is in watching the Father closely, asking Him about what He's doing, staying connected to Him throughout your day, Excuse me. That's the point in all of this is in your decision to run to him first, not yourself, not someone else. This is this is always what we are pushing for you to do is is take what you hear, take what you see and and, and run to him. Let him break that open for you. Let him uh, add the dimension, the necessary dimension that he is wanting to do for you. He desires you. He desires to be in intimate connection with you. So don't run for him. Don't run from him. I, I hope my, my big hope for you in this moment right now is that you will do that that you will run to him, that you will continue to sit and watch him, not hide from him, not try to fill uh, uh, time because you want to be uh, comforted by something else, but finding uh, comfort and delight in him and watching what he's doing. sitting long enough 
for him to add those extra layers that he's wanting to add. Because there's some he's wanting to peel back and there's some he's wanting to add in their place. So I hope that you'll take the time this week to start cultivating that. If, if you have already started, then look for the opportunities to go even deeper with that. Because there's always more. Always, always, always more. Father, I just ask that you would highlight for people those opportunities. Let them feel the, the, the tug uh, from you that says, hey, come here, I want, I want to talk. I want to show you something. Cause people to, to feel that, that there is opportunity throughout the day. Regardless of, of where they are, are working or what they're doing, there's opportunity. I thank you for your continued your continued faithfulness to, to desire us and come after us. That that you love us so much you want to put on display what it is you're doing for us. the provision that you are, are giving to us. Thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Have a great week, friends. Uh, um, we'll be back on Wednesday. And uh, we look forward to, to seeing you then. I, I know, I just know it's going to be a great conversation. It, it is don't miss Wednesday morning, eight o'clock right here. Love y'all.